everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes 5 and 6 of 39. 39! It's... Woo! I'm so (laughs) sad all the time. Constantly sad. It's just constantly sad. It is... Here's the thing. This is arguably the quietest K-drama I've ever seen. I can't think that we've ever watched anything more almost meandering than this show as it goes from moment to moment. Yeah. But also so many sad, quiet, sad moments. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm sure there are more quiet shows out there that we've just never seen. But gosh, this one feels like a record for us. And it's unfamiliar territory, to be sure. I'm not I'm not ready for it. I don't know. I don't I have so many mixed feelings about it. Okay, classic us. I want to start at the end cuz that was the that was the quintessential like, oh, this is a K-drama again. I felt like it was such a normal show, such a like you said a meandering, a calm, a chill show until those final moments when it was like, oh no, this is a K-drama and I didn't like it. It felt weird. It did. It's very jarring because it's so quiet. And I know that it was her, them kind of illustrating that Mijo is having a panic attack. I say I know. I assume. Because it isn't, even in a very stressful moment, I don't know that it's necessarily normal to pass out in the street. Or I guess expected and um, healthy. <laughs> so... Uh, I, it's gotta be due to a panic attack, right? It that wasn't makes just sense. I didn't catch her doing that. that. Yeah. At least they sort of set up her having panic attacks, but this is the first time we're seeing it that I can think of, so it's not like we're seeing maybe many of her symptoms. I don't know if they often exhaust her to that point that she could just kind of collapse in the street. I assume that that's what they were going for, because otherwise it's a little bit wild to to go from like yeah the the quiet moments and the c- family and friends connecting moments to all of a sudden her uh melting down on such a huge level yeah that makes more sense i think i did the selfish thing where my panic attacks look very different from hers which i think everyone's do so I just yeah. didn't even register that that's what was happening. And I was like, that's like, I mean, like I said, I just took it for granted that that's kind of a K-drama thing to have that high intensity and then a damsel in distress. And then the the knight in shining armor comes to save her. And it's it felt, yeah, very cliche in that way. And I didn't pick up that it was like, no, it also is in line with the reality of this show, which is that she has panic attacks and she's going through it right now and her body can't handle it. So it shuts down. That makes a lot more sense. It was still kind of weird. I think it's also weird that can I, I know it's nitpicky. It's also weird that the wife got all the way to Chan Young's door when her friends had to stop outside the building and, like, ring themselves in. Yeah, the only thing I could think was that that was them being like, oh, they were all expecting it to be Sionyu, so they didn't... And maybe someone buzzed him in or something. Because uh, I thought that was really, really weird, too. I was just trying to rationalize that. 
because uh, otherwise, it just, like you said, it doesn't make sense that her even her mom had to stop outside the door. And so maybe if they're expecting someone, they can they can do like an auto buzz in, and that's what they thought. So that's me rationalizing that um, entirely. <laughs> yeah, just feels like a safety flaw to be like, some people have to stop outside the building so that we don't have strangers just wandering our apartments. And some people can just make it right to your door. No problem. Yeah. And if they do, the probability that they are an unhinged, angry, soon-to-be ex-wife of someone you know, and they completely blame you for the divorce, then that the, the likelihood of it being that person is 100. It's 100%. 100% chance that it is that person. Yeah. Okay. Which is, I do want to dive into her and how upsetting that is because i think we talked about how she's a really almost unrealistically upsetting person in the last episode but i think uh i focused in a lot on how maybe unnecessary it was to make her so frustrating and that maybe it could have been as impactful if she just wasn't the absolute bad guy uh and maybe if she was just a little bit more human which i'm not saying that there can't be people like her that uh blame everyone else for their problems and do terrible dangerous things like show up at the home of someone that they blame for their problems but i think that i do want to talk about just how genuinely frustrating that is uh, if we're if we're going to go ahead and cast her as the villain of this show, which it looks like she is, it looks like we're not giving her very many human qualities <laughs> that are redeeming, um, then that they've done a good job because I was so upset that she is so invasively infiltrating a dying woman's life that a private detective is following this woman and getting her address instead of it focusing. It's that thing that I mentioned last week where I just hate the idea that we blame the woman that a person is, that her a husband is cheating with instead of the husband himself for the problem or whatever. Even if, you know, it wasn't the situation it is where it's been very clear why he's leaving her, at least he's made it clear how he feels about the situation or whatever, uh, whatever the case may be, maybe it really is al- almost 100% balls in Chong Young's court or whatever, and it is her fault. Still wild to blame a person when he's fully capable of making his own choices, so. Yeah, it's especially frustrating when we can see so much of Chan Young's side, which like you said, first and foremost, she's terminally ill. That's a lot to deal with. And then just the addition of Jung Suk putting his feelings on her plate and her constantly being like, I don't want you to do this for me. I don't want you to make this sacrifice for me, which is also incredibly frustrating for different reasons. But I think it's so frustrating to watch her be like, you can't get a divorce just to be with me. And it's like, bro, he needs a divorce anyways for his own reasons. Can you please let him get a divorce? She's like, my dying wish is for him to stay with his wife. (laughs) Like, ew, no, that's... She's actually terrible, Chung Young. Please. <laughs> That's not the solution any of us need. But it is 
so hard to watch her push him away and then have the wife, yeah, come in and be like, you have your claws dug into him and I keep, I think they did a respectable job of showing her constantly approaching her husband and being like, you can't leave. We need to talk about this. We have more to say. I want to discuss this with you. And him shutting her down, him blocking her calls, him moving out of the house. And it's not understandable. It's not reasonable. But we can see the thinking where she's like, okay, so I guess I can't reach him. So I'll go to her. And that's, again, not okay. But I think they did a good job of making it Mm, makes sense in a way where you could see her her reasoning or her trajectory so it's yeah but like you said it's the villain path it's just like okay i guess i'll be full villain now and it's like why can't your path just be full mom now where you suddenly decide oh i lost this part of my life i lost being a wife and even maybe if she's like i'm losing being a mother which which was another frustrating thing where Jong Suk was like, I know that a lot of the reason that you are a bad person or a messed up, like, mean person is because you resent your son. You resent ever having a kid. And that kind of held you back from having the life you want. And then he says, I'm going to step up. I love this kid. I'm going to be their sole parent. And he doesn't make any effort to take the kid with him. And that was heartbreaking to me. I was like, bro, you see that she, in her absolute core, just doesn't want to be a mother and a wife. And that's the life that she's been trapped in. And you're like, I will free you from that. You will no longer have to be a mother or a wife. And you're like, but you'll be a single mom. I don't know. That seems so much harder. Um, So that was weird and frustrating. And maybe part of her spiral, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that was maybe he's in the process of, it doesn't seem like he's in the process of looking for a place for him and his kid to live. Seems like he's in the process of trying to move into Chung, uh, sorry, Chun Young's house. So, um. What happened to being super dad? Yeah. I guess he only wanted to be super dad before Chun Young was dying, and or rather before he knew she was. Ooh, that is. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's not optimal, my dude. No. So. Yeah, he's very okay to me. I guess I don't know. I don't know really what to think about him anymore because I support him wanting to leave his wife, not to be with Chun Young. I. She seems like she's. She manipulated him into the relationship and has continued to manipulate him into maintaining the relationship, and no one's happy, and that's the thing that happens when you manipulate people into doing things, is that it doesn't satisfy anyone, really. Um, But especially uh, when you manipulate them into specific relationships. (laughs) It seems like the three of them have manipulated each other quite a bit. Yeah, so maybe it's time that all of you get away from each other. What if you all just got away from each other? That would be maybe optimal, perfect, yeah, clean. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it's like I support him getting away from his wife. I just maybe don't support him otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so hard. He's 
I know it's just that he's handsome and like it's that's clouding my vision. It's so heartbreaking <laughs> watching him go to Chan Young's apartment and say, I I just want to be here. I will be a shadow on the wall. I will not speak. I will not move unless you ask me to. Just please let me be with you for these last moments of your life. His little smile, his sad little plead. Oh, that broke me. But yeah, yeah like it was his beautiful face is convincing. <laughs> but is that it? Because yeah, then reflecting on it and being like, oh, wait, he like left his kid to be here. That kind of sucks. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it seems we got the scene that showed the mom seems like a pretty okay mom. But it's weird to have him be like, you hate your kid. You're a bad mom. But I will leave our kid here alone with you. It's like, bro, you ain't the hero you think you are then. You're being no. a selfish doof. Yeah. I do think that this show is kind of the master of not showing us the entire picture of what's going on before dropping bombs like you're a terrible mom or I have no family, uh, including an adoptive family. We can circle back on how terrible that dad is and why I now understand why Sun Wong wants uh, So Wong? So Wong, yeah. Okay, so on. Why so on wants uh, out of that family unit. Yep. We get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah. But yes, the show does tend to... It's interesting because there's, like, trickling information out, but then there's making kind of sweeping statements that make someone seem super unreasonable, and then uh, trickling information out that proves those or I guess the fact that it's unreasonable wrong, like, proves that person right. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, shoot, well, I guess I should apologize for <laughs> my previous stance. Yeah, it feels like we, we're we just going to constantly be wrong about a lot of stuff, and that's going to be the whole show. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> we're halfway through. We're halfway through. Yeah. I think we've got a lot to backpedal on So On's storyline. But also, I'm going to stand by our statement that her work was valid work. And I'm still a little bit just... I mean, they dropped it pretty quick. They were like, she's no longer even doing that hostess job. Yeah. It just feels like avoiding the issue. Yeah. Where it's like, you know what, brother? You were right all along. I'm too good for for that job as a hostess. I'm sorry. And it's like, no, actually, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how you're an adult who's allowed to make your own choices. And if they're not safe choices, by all means, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't an unsafe or safe choice. It just means that uh, maybe you need to like analyze the choices on your own and not uh, wait for your brother to have a meltdown at your place of work before you quit. What? I don't know. I, f- I feel like I just made a really in- a strung together some pretty incoherent thoughts, but I'm with you that what she was doing was valid. And I also don't think that they... It feels a little bit empty when you add a plot point that is resolved in less than an episode. <laughs> it just means you're stirring the pot. That's maybe not that storyline is as coherent as my ability to talk about it. So. <laughs> but they also didn't talk about it. They didn't give us anything. She just said, like, 
No, I had plenty of money. I didn't get that job for money. I so I quit, and it was like I don't. Can we roll this back? I don't understand any of what got you to that place, and whether or not you chose to be there, and whether or not your brother's the one making the choice that you should quit. Like, what even is happening? I'm confused. But obviously, all we were supposed to get out of it was that their dad's a monster, and we got that. We got that, finally. Yeah, Yeah. he's super controlling and, I don't know, brash. Is that a word? Brash? Maybe. I think Um, so. Yeah, it might not be the word I'm looking for, but it feels right. Um, (laughs) He's just, he's a loudmouth, right? He's a loudmouth that shares his opinion and hurts people with it and then acts like it was never his problem in the first place. I... I appreciate that we needed that scene at the dinner to really show all those things you just said about him so that we could see it in plain sight, that he's a mean, mean guy that says what he's thinking, and it hurts people. But I hated that he got invited to the dinner. I feel like we got the end of episode five, where Mijo is like, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be the Rachmaninoff for this young girl. And it was like, that's empowering. I love it. Let's see what happens. And then you jump into the next episode and she's like, do you, do you want to come to dinner with us? Let's all go together. And it's like, I get that this is your boyfriend's dad. And it was a rock in a hard place. I think it was an appropriate time to be like, I'm going to take Soan home. I stand by her. I need you to know that I... I really like her, and I don't mean any disrespect to you, so I'm just going to step away and let you go to dinner with your son like you planned. Yeah. To her credit, she had not seen maybe the full force of what he's capable of. It was clear that he made someone very uncomfortable. She didn't want to be there. So I think that it would have been a completely valid thing to do, to be like, actually, me and someone have plans for dinner, so... Girls night, and you boys can hang out, uh, have a good time, and, you know, don't be the pits, or whatever. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, the flip side being, I guess, that he sucked in that first (laughs) encounter, but he also hadn't maybe so openly shared his feelings up to that point, and so maybe she was giving him the benefit of the doubt as part of the whole he is my boyfriend's dad, so I will walk the fine line that is being drawn here and and go from there. And then when, you know, when he proved exactly who he was and what he was doing, she then did the right thing and said, actually, we've got to go. <laughs> I'm going to take someone home. You guys enjoy or whatever. That's fair. I think giving giving her credit is fair. I do think then she had, so it was it was that moment where she saw someone was uncomfortable and she was like, we're still, we're all going to go to dinner. We're going to work this out. And then it didn't work out and they go have drinks later and they're talking about the orphanage and someone is still very uncomfortable. And it seems like she gets more uncomfortable talking about the orphanage. And Mijo just feels like she's not, or it feels to me like Mijo is not reading the room at all. She just keeps pressing while someone is just shrinking into her chair. So just those, like, interactions, those first interactions that 
they have together felt so weird to me that I was like, <laughs> Mijo, why did you say you wanted to be her warm place? And you're like, we'll get there by me forcing my way in emotionally. That's my method. I'm going to force my way in. Yeah, I I do. I'm so sorry. I feel like you're making such valid points. And I'm like, I interpreted it differently. No, Here's I want to hear how. it. Because um, I, di- I could sense the discomfort on so on side with that whole orphanage thing, but I felt um, Mijo was kind of pulling it back, right? As soon as it was suggested, like, hey, we can all go together. Because I can't remember if she brought that up or if um, Sionyu brought that up. One of them did, but they ha- one of them mentioned going, and that's when so on kind of started to draw back. And then Mijo kind of said, you know what, if you want to go, let me know and I'll go with you. But no worries, like, cheers, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be. But I felt her kind of meeting Soan's discomfort where it was, in a way, and saying, like, you know what, I see that, and I won't push it, we'll just end this this thing that's making you uncomfortable here by, like, punctuating it with, like, a, we won't acknowledge that you are uncomfortable, we'll just acknowledge, like, this is an open offer if you want to take it, but this doesn't have to be a thing. So you just let me know, and then Sionyu doesn't have to know about it and doesn't have to keep pushing you about it. It'll be an us thing, and then, like, I'm not going to push about it, obviously, so. That's fair. But I I obviously read a lot into that, so <laughs> I might fully be making that up, but that's just kind of what I sensed. It was very uncomfortable. I could feel the discomfort on both sides of that situation, but I also felt like Mijo was trying to kind of pull it back without being like, ah, now we've made you uncomfortable and like pushing that button further. That's a good point. I feel like that's a better way of looking at it. My, I Maybe I was just put off by the sheer amount of times that they tapped their glasses together. It was weird. It that was, was weird, right? super weird. Yeah. It's like, Mijo, it, stop. Yeah, that feels like a thing that you do when you are both, you're you're drunk, but you're not so drunk that you don't feel the discomfort in the room and you don't know what else to do. So mm-hmm. just, cheers. Again, one more time. Uh, one more time. <laughs> We're really vibing, right? Let's cheers again. It's like, oh, bud. Back up a little bit. Give the girl some space. (laughs) So I felt like anything going on in that interaction was just clouded by my discomfort at the physical interaction of like, let's do cheers again. So hopefully you're right. I did do one full on laugh out loud moment when Sionu tried to also cheers and Mijo (laughs) said, no, this isn't your thing. Put your water (laughs) cup down. <laughs> Designated driver, you're not even, you're invisible to me. <laughs> oh, I think I think it was funny, but it made me realize pretty quickly that something that I'd completely forgotten, which was when they first met, he was the English teacher at the orphanage. And that has never come up again at all. And I was am I confused? Was it a different guy? Because I thought that the lady at the orphanage was like, this is his first day. It wasn't like, this is his last day, and then he's going to be a dermatologist. It was like, this is day one, and then he never goes back. 
Yeah, I can't remember what day in his English teaching timeline it was, but it is weird that it almost never comes up that he does that. Because it's not weird with Mijo, because not only was she planning on leaving anyway and made that clear, but it was clear that it was just a time-to-time volunteer basis, like I'm not here every day or every week or whatever, versus for him, it very much felt like, yeah, if you're the English teacher, you're probably there like at least once a week, like a solid once a week doing English lessons, let's say. I don't think that's like a bi-monthly or one-time-per-month one type of deal. That's not how you teach English. I do know that any language that you're only touching on it once a month or so, <laughs> you're never going to learn it. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> Raquel and I have done the bare minimum to learn Korean. <laughs> it has not worked. So if you're seriously going up there and being like, I'm going to teach him English. I'm going to teach these kids. I'll see you next month. Like, bro, you are doing a disservice to these children. <laughs> but that never comes up. They were having that big conversation about going to the orphanage. And he wasn't like, you can come with me. I go there once a week. Nope. He's never no. been there again. I guarantee it. Yeah, because his weekends are free enough to go camping. <laughs> um, so he's definitely not doing it on the weekends. And he's a dermatologist during the week. So... What? Why did they I even include th- that? I found the hole in your plot, 39. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things here. <gasps> oh, can I have one other plot hole that I hated? Mm-hmm. I Oh, it got under my skin. So, at Victoria's Secret, we worked that Raquel and I worked at Victoria's Secret for a few months. We're going to start with some backstory, and then I'll tell you what's happening. <laughs> Raquel and I worked at Victoria's Secret for almost a year. And they were very strict on don't tell anybody anything about other employees. Don't tell customers when an employee is going to be on shift. Don't tell people that someone's just on break in the back. Like, you just lock it down. It is an information black box. Nothing comes out of this store. And Sonu goes to a hostess bar and says... I'm the brother of one of the hostesses here. Can you give me her address? And one of the women is just like, for sure. For sh- that is a murderer. You're never going to see Jane again. She's going to get murdered tonight because you just gave some dude her address. I was so mad. Yeah, and then Jane randomly quits. Does that not trigger some red flags? Maybe we need to talk to HR, develop a better policy surrounding. I mean, I get that I get that it's a different industry. It's not retail. Maybe things are a little bit more loosey-goosey, but there's got to be something, right, where you protect your business by not putting your employees at risk, especially in a business that is Even if it's not sex work, it's some kind of, like, escort-adjacent, like, accompaniment-type deal, maybe whatever the case may be. It's already- if we say that there are- there's maybe a spectrum, and it's maybe not fully on, like, the- the sex work end of the spectrum or whatever. Either way, it's a, it seems like a very dangerous place to be giving out information. It's significantly more dangerous than if I were to say Emily's on break in the back at Victoria's Secret, right? Which I actually know 
I I like that they did that. I liked that it was a black hole of information and you never knew like w- where someone was or what they were up to. Like, uh, they're just not on shift today. Sorry. Like, yeah, tell the manager. But if, yeah, we were as removed as possible while still being in the spectrum of a sexual industry, like we were working in a lingerie store. So I think that's why they were extra careful about like, people might get creepy in here. And they might start to sexualize our workers, even though you're just retail workers, you're just selling products, they might start to think of you differently, and we don't want to put you at risk by giving away information on your whereabouts at any given time. And that was, like you said, that was for retail. And so to be like, this woman works at a hostess bar, you don't think she's potentially going to attract creeps who are like, I actually want to know more about her. I want to know more about this woman and actually maybe start stalking her and I'll bring her gifts. I'll do it. And it's like that spirals so quickly and you have no measures in place. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care if this is a K-drama where they needed to further the plot somehow. That was not the way to do it. That is so weird. I totally agree that it was just such a out of left field weird way to to say and this is how he got her address cuz she didn't want him to know it. Whatever the case may be, she she can tell him the address or he d- needs to cut that shit out and not ask for it. Sorry. You don't own, own the right to knowing where she lives. That's her information to share. I don't care if you're a brother. I don't care if you only have pure intentions. I don't care if you're not going there to pick a fight. You're just going there to let her know that you support her and you love her. It's bullshit to ask around about that information if she doesn't want you to have it. It's awful. And the lady even said that. She was like, if she wanted you to have it, wouldn't you have it? And he's like, mm, I guess. And then it just cuts the scene to him being at her apartment. Like, what? No. Insanity. Insanity. I hated it so much. Yeah. This, yeah, there were a lot of moments. I do want to, I feel like we focused on all of the wrong parts of the show. <laughs> and we're like an hour into recording. Um the full hour won't make it onto the like yeah. non Patreon cut, I know. Um, but maybe we can focus on like um oh we do ha we have given almost no review on the whole um I can't think of her name again, I always mess it up. I need to write it down. I know. It's Juhi. Juhi, thank you. We need to talk about how she's a goddess for quitting her job the way she did. But also, can I, uh, once again, tying this back into real life, I work in customer service. We I, Maybe I work for a really great company. I don't think it's that unrealistic for companies to um, have, like, abuse policies in place for the reverse, where the customers are abusing the employee, but we actually have trainings on it, on how, like, we are allowed to draw hard lines and end conversations with customers who are being abusive and not maintaining, like, a professional atmosphere in our place of work, because that's on them. Like, that's on them if they want to throw a fit and start swearing at us in a chat session or on the phone or whatever the case may be. That's their problem, and they don't get to have support from us if, if they can't maintain a professional tone while they're working with us to resolve their technical issues. So I just, 
I maybe it's not unrealistic. I know that that's such a thing that uh, the customer is always right, but I also think that that's kind of starting to change where most places are saying, yeah, but also the customer can't come in and abuse our business and the people who work for us. And I'm glad she quit, but it also felt it got to a point where if someone's throwing something at you, but I guess we've seen in Korean in Korean drama world, it seems like people are allowed to like hit their employees and shit. So maybe I'm not understanding the like cultural, the current cultural atmosphere surrounding like store management and retail work. And maybe that actually is like a problem that she could not have resolved by letting the customer know she needs to leave and they'll help her when she's ready to maintain a professional atmosphere or yeah. whatever. But like you said, from a business's standpoint, it's insane to let your store manager who's been with you for over 10 years quit because an employee has berated them so much. It's like, um, I'm sorry, this customer will never mean more than our employee. Yeah. How? How could you she, not have policies fact, for that? She's asking for something that we legitimately, like, it's, it's stealing. She's asking to legally steal from us. Why would we support her and not our employee? Why would we not step in and say, we'll refund you your exact amount of money and you'll never come here again and you're going to be escorted out by a security guard because you've been physically abusing the employee by throwing things at her. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane that it escalated to the employee quitting and that felt like her only option. It was incredibly frustrating to watch and, like, cool. It's very cool that she knew her own worth enough even in that interaction and the previous interaction where a customer was like, we want another tester. Can't you just buy one? Was like, no, ma'am, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, like that was so cool. It was the tiniest bit of Juhi being like, I know my worth around here and my job is not enough for me to buy the testers. No. And like, that's cool. We had these little moments. And I liked that, but it, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard not to be in the like, why doesn't she have any other options? Why does she have to quit her job in order yeah. to be protective, protected from abuse in the workplace? Yeah, by customers. That's by wild. Customers. Yeah, I, I guess like these two episodes. So the show is so quiet and meandering, as we've said a couple of times. I, I'm sorry if I'm like abusing those two words to describe <laughs> it, but that's how it feels. So much of it is just so quiet, right? Like there's a whole scene of um, Mijo and Sianu just coloring in a coloring book. Did you like that? It was fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was sweet. Their their relationship is developing very sweetly, and I I enjoy it. Um, it's maybe not like, I'm not, you know, hungry for every sweet moment they give us for whatever reason, which usually I am all about the fan service and stuff, but, um, but I, I was fine with it, but it's just so quiet that it just feels like some of the drama that they create feels very manufactured when it branches so far from how it would, it feels realistically I think the example we've talked about being 
Juhi quitting her job because of workplace abuse and uh, the panic attack in the street after um, begging the ex-wife to leave. And the third one being, um, yeah, just the whole situation with the hostess work that Soan was doing. It, it feels so manufactured because it's every other moment is so quiet and almost realistic, right? Like it just is realistic to watch, you know, two people who are a couple color in a coloring book or whatever, and that's just their evening to relax and unwind. So there's just all of these kind of realism moments where when you make the drama, these things that don't feel like they would happen in the way that you've written them to happen, it's it's jarring. It doesn't feel like it makes sense in in the otherwise quiet world that they've created. That, you know, uh, Chun Young being terminally ill is very dramatic and very realistically dramatic, right? Where it's like people in quiet real world get terminally ill and it's devastating. So that feels, you know, that's never quite as like a uh, overreaction or it wouldn't happen like this. That always kind of feels right. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I guess, I guess that's where I'm at. Where everything we've talked about is like, oh, I didn't like it is because it felt like they were just trying to find a way to make it a K-drama by, by creating drama that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's fine. I, I, Like I said earlier, I think the stuff with the ex-wife, they're doing a good job of making it very linear and showing us why she's doing what she's doing. But on the other hand, I think they had a good thing going with the scene where Chan Young is at home and Jung Suk tries to move in. Jin Suk. Jin Suk tries to move in. And that's cute and sad and dramatic and sweet and warm, but just weird enough that you're kind of on your toes. And then her mom shows up and you're like, oh, what's going to happen here? And they play that off maybe a little too easily for my liking, where he's like, I'm, I'm pursuing her. I think if I was a mom, I'd be like, then why is your suitcase here, homie? Um, <laughs> if she's not okay with it, maybe you should go. Anyways. That's fine, though. And then being like, and her two friends are coming over? Like, that felt like the type of drama for this show is being like, what yes. happens when all these people get into a room and there's so many lies and so much, like, confusion? There's so many things that we have to keep a secret from each other. And, like, that's fun and interesting. And then to be like, oh... And let's throw Sonu in. He's going to come over too. And just there's this these two scenes within one where it's all of these people having dinner together and it's very cute and sweet and warm. But also there's all these lies and it's people have to be on their toes of like what they can and can't tell people. And I think that would have been a really fun and kind of in line with this show moment of drama. But instead they go completely out of left field and they have the the wife come over and Mijo pass out in the street. And it just felt off. Yes, it did. It felt very off. I would have liked to see maybe everyone else is on the same page. Obviously, uh, maybe Juhi and... 
and Nijo know not to tell Chan Young's mom, right? Because they know that she doesn't know. But Sianu comes in and wanting to be respectful of the situation is like, it, it slips somehow. So he's maybe apologizing about something or, and why wouldn't her mom know? So it's not on him necessarily, but there's this complication that it's Mijo's boyfriend that is the person that is telling, like, that would have been such sensible, but also like an interesting interaction, like friends and family interaction to watch happen. It complicates almost every relationship there in some way. I just think that would have been really interesting. But, yeah, you know, they took it in a different direction, <laughs> and I support it, and I trust them. I'm just interested to see how it plays out in the next couple episodes. Yeah, because I do like the meandering moments. I love moments with Chan Young's parents. I love moments with most of their parents. They're yeah. So precious. And I love, we've gotten a lot of progress with Juhi's relationship with the chef. I think that's really cool. And that she's sticking by her values and being like, I just want him to be happy with his girlfriend. I'm not really in it to try and tear him away from her. But I, I think he's really cool and I'm really proud of what he's doing. And apparently I'm the only one in his yeah. life who thinks so he's cool. Sad. <laughs> oh no <sighs> like that's cool and I like those things I'm enjoying watching those things but yeah I think some of the points of drama are easier to focus on because they're so dramatic yeah yeah but I'm I'm enjoying the show I'm interested to see how it goes I I, I just I have some thoughts and I'm glad that we have a place here to share them yeah I'm excited to meet, see more from the chef and Juhi and see what yeah. she does with her joblessness. But yeah. I hope it's cool. I hope she gets to follow her dreams. I don't know what her dreams are, but I hope that her entire life is so spectacular from here on out. Right. <laughs> I I love her. And I just live for the moments. They had a sleepover. And in the middle of the night, Chan Young just crawled in between her friends. and I. I feel like that's what this show is about, and that's what I thought the whole show would be, and that's why I get so frustrated with the other peripheral stuff, because I'm like, no, just give us more sleepovers. That's all I need to be happy. All of these relationships outside of their friendship feel superfluous. I don't want them. I don't care for them. Cut them out. Cut them out. <laughs> but it's good. That's all I had to say. That's all I have, too. Um... If there's anything we missed, if we didn't talk enough about certain things, or if we were just flat out wrong about something, gently let us know at playonkpodcast@gmail.com. You can always leave comments directly on the episodes on our website, playonk.com, and that's where you can sign up for our newsletter, which is coming back this year. And you can find links to our affiliates so you can support the show while also getting a cool service for yourself, like Blueberry Podcast Hosting, if you want to start your own podcast, just like ours. If you want to upskill some of your some of your life, you can go to Skillshare through our affiliates page, or you can get NordVPN so you can browse the internet securely and safely, and also access K-dramas that maybe aren't licensed to your region. Don't tell them we sent you, but also tell them we sent you, please. That's how affiliate links work. 
Anyways, all that is at playonk.com. Yeah, we also have um, our Patreon that has been revamped. You can go check out what you get and and the levels. It's patreon.com slash playonk. And that is one way to support us. Um, I'm just going to do the other one right now, the freest way to support us, which is wherever you listen to us, if you rate, review, or subscribe, or any combination that is available on the platform you're, you're listening to us on right now, then that really helps us out. It helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah! And just real quick, shout out about our Patreon. We're bringing back our watch parties. So if you ever oh, came yeah. to one of those in the past and have been missing them, they're back. And we're super stoked on them. So go check out Patreon for for those watch parties. We don't know what we're going to yeah. watch first, but we'll pick soon. Yeah, um, so keep, check that totally out. Check that totally out. And then we are on Instagram at Play on K Podcast. We are on Twitter at Play on K, although we never use that one. We are on TikTok at playonk underscore Emily. And if you go to any of those places and say hi, we would love to see you. And we'll say hi. Yeah. Um, I think that that is just about it. I think so. So, yeah, join us next week for our next two episodes of 39. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.